Balak, uh, this Parsha, is really about Bil'am and the donkey, but it's about our enemies, neighbors, a question of prophecy versus magic, a question of what we look like from the inside and what we look like from the outside. So if we were to take the Goodyear blimp view, I think, which is important, we're on uh, chapter 22, verse 2 here, Parshat Balak. If you could imagine the Goodyear blimp view of the Israelites in the desert. Let's just reflect back last week. We're talking about a very internal conflict with the Israelites, the loss of Miriam and Aaron. Remember, they were having this challenge about water and what does Moses do? Hits the rock twice and water emanates. Then there's a story after that about Aaron's death. And then there's a strange story about a nachash, a snake, that uh, is used as this kind of wand that uh, stops a plague. All of these things could be considered magic. And here we have a story, so back to the Goodyear blimp, we're moving away from Israel vis-a-vis Israel, and we're seeing Israel now from the perspective of First, the Amorites, because we just had a battle with the Amorites and were very successful in that battle. And now we have another king, Balak, who is very worried about Israel. So what we need to do as a Jewish community in this Parsha, if you'll join me, is take ourselves out of ourselves. I would almost, this is my thesis that I want to go through, This has very little to do with the Jewish people in curses and in blessing. And the question is, and I'm going to present this thesis, which is anti-Semitism. This is not just mine. David Nieberg, uh, Princeton uh, historian, love his book about anti-Semitism because it says it really has nothing to do with you, meaning us. Anti-Semitism is a manifestation of blessings or curses to manipulate whatever the situation is and point at these people, either to praise them or to curse them, but it has very little to do what we're doing. And that's the thesis that I'm going to have throughout this Parsha, because you're going to hear who Balak was, who Bil'am is. God is playing with Bil'am. This has very little to do with the Israelites. And we'll see at the end of our Parsha, his three blessings, we're going to see how the poetry from paragraph to paragraph shifts directions from either cursing or blessing this people to truly giving in his own Bil'am, becoming a prophet in his own right, talking about Israel's future, not vis-a-vis Balak or others, but vis-a-vis the, uh, the people itself. So that's the journey we're going to take. Is that was somewhat clear in uh, trying to give you the ending first, which is, this is not about Israel. This is about how others view Israel. And here we are. So Balak ben Sipur, the Balak, we're on chapter 22, verse 2. Balak ben Sipur saw all that happened to the Amorites. And Moab was alarmed. Now, I want you to hear in these tones, think about Exodus, think about the beginning of Exodus and the Pharaoh's story. Okay? What happened in the beginning of Exodus? The plagues. Well, before the plagues, Pharaoh, a new king, arose in Egypt and realized... 
these people were so numerous. Ki ki ravhu. And Moab yikats. He leaped up because of the Israelites. He is paranoid. Just as Pharaoh was paranoid. Now let's hear this. Now this horde will lick clean all that is about us. Hashor keholech, hashor et yerek hasadeh. As an ox lip, licks the grass of the field. And so Balak son of Tzipor, now king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to Balaam, son of Beor, in Pitor. And we actually have, uh, I'm sorry, Richard's not here. He loves biblical criticism. There are texts, the Asherite texts, that show us in the ancient Near East, there was from about the 8th century before the Common Era, someone named Bil'am, son of Baor, and he was a magician. He was an augur. Now, whether this was a myth or whether this was really a, a, a historical character, we have that text outside of the Bible. So there is a connection point that this was someone famous at the time. Bil'ab. And so, in the land of his kinfolk, and he invited him, saying, now, I want you to hear this, this language. There's a people that came out of Egypt, Am and they hide the earth from view. Ki kisa et ein ha'aretz, and it sits right next to me. Come, put a curse on this people for me. They are too numerous. Ki atzum hu mimeni. This is the same language as Pharaoh, but a different kind of uh, uh, a different recipe to defeat them. Perhaps I can thus defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whom you bless is blessed indeed, and whom you curse is cursed indeed. Now it's taking two different traditions here and combining them in a paranoid delusion. Okay? There are people who hide the land. Does that mean they're so numerous they just cover it? They're everywhere. They're everywhere, and they cover Ein Ha'aretz. Now, the Kabbalah says. Ayin ha'aretz, ayin, this is what we're going to talk about in meditation. The ayin is the eye, the open eye of the Ein Sof, of the divine spirit. And Israel, who is this cherished people that know how to find the spiritual from the material. This is Kabbalah, this is not the direct reading, is that Israel truly does cover the world with God's beauty. And what he saw is somebody as a metaphor covering the land negatively as an ox licks the grass the Kabbalah says yes absolutely we fill the the sacred center of the world with divine light and justice when we hear Jews will not replace us that's kind of reference to that image that our presence is so powerful as small as we are that we're, fe- we're feared well we can Perhaps. We're in a very interesting time right now. You know, and I think there's a lot to be said about the current political situation, but I think it will make this actually much harder. Because I just want one story is this Exodus story about Pharaoh. 
Now, what did Pharaoh do? What did Pharaoh? What was Pharaoh's indicate? What was Pharaoh's recipe for? In slavery. In slavery, doubling down on work and working them so hard that they didn't want to procreate, literally stopping them from procreation, and then all the way to if you see a boy, kill it. Now listen to Baal. Now listen to let's hear Balak. Ulai uchal nakebo v'agarshenu min ha'aretz. Maybe, maybe, ulai, which is such a weak word, ulai uchal maybe it is possible to defeat them, and drive them out of the land. What's the difference? I mean, it's a huge difference. Well, Pharaoh was keeping the Jews there and having them enslaved, and enslaved he was and killing to drive. and killing the firstborn. Right. I just and killing male children. And here they're just saying go back to where you came from. Here they're not even saying go back. Uh, I'm trying not. I'm trying not. I I, I really want to stay. Thank. It's look, guys. If you can't see. I apologize. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, civil discourse. I just want you to hear the weakness of Balak. I don't know what to do. Maybe if you curse them, they'll just go away. Just think about all the stories that we've had in Numbers. First, Korah swallowed up, okay? Others, you know, literally, there's pyrotechnics. I mean, we're still in the Torah here. We could, he could go, I'll take another political reference, and nuclear on this situation. And yet, what does he do? He's in the zone of, maybe I'll hire out an agent, <laughs> and, and a schlocky one. And, and so what enter... I hear this is the only comedic section in the Torah. It makes me sad. The Torah is filled with humor from Eve's story all the way through. This is a very serious story because it's really talking about how to drive people, how, how to create a kind of racist tension and use magicians as prophets and then how that middleman is either corrupted or accepted. The rabbis, I'm just going to say it very clearly, the rabbis are not only divided, it's probably 80-20. 80 think that Bil'am, the, the prophetess, prophet sorcerer, is a bad guy, always was a bad guy, always will. There are a few, the prophet Micha, who sees a guy who has a conversion experience and in fact becomes not just a Navi, but a person in Israel. The tragedy, I'll just tell you later on in this story, there's a fight with the Midianites and, uh, uh, and Bil'am gets killed and because of the uh, of war. Okay, let's get back to the story itself. Ulai, because I can drive it. And I know from whom you bless is blessed and whom you curse is cursed. What is that line from? Ki asher tevarech mevorach Ta'or, you are. What is that line in Genesis? From God to? I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. God to Abraham. 
And so now it is transposed from Balak to Bil'am. Do you see? This has nothing to do with us. And I would make the general argument often when some of these kinds of race baitings are happening, it has very little to do with the issues at hand. There we are. The elders of Moab and the elders of Midian were versed in divination and they set out. Uh, one other point of Midianites. Who was a Midianite? Moses's wife. Wife. And what was her name? Zipporah. What was his first name? Balak ben? Zipporah. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> Tricky. There's a, there's, a, there's a mixture of our people, and yet it is a people apart. So I just think all of this is in the, just the language and the setup. The Yidabru alav, and so they set out, and they came to Balaam, and they gave him Balak's message. Vayomer alehem linupo, he said, spend the night. I'll reply to you as God may instruct me. And they stayed uh, with Balaam. Now, to, I'm on uh, now chapter 22, verse 8. I'm curious here. Balaam, a crook, or Balaam just doing his job? Do you guys have any uh, take on this yet, whether this is a good guy or a bad guy? Maybe a bad guy. Bad guy. He's a bad been... guy or a good guy for hire, so by definition, he's a bad guy. Right, mercenary. You pay him, Chris, whoever. So then why does he, he say this then, according to the bad guy version? Um, I think it's interesting when he talks to God, he's talking to Yudhike Bape. Yes, correct, Adonai. So it seems like he's able to talk to God, like most chefs is able to talk to our God, Yudhike Bape. And that is Elohim is the general God of all of the earth and, and kind of the God of nature, some say. And Adonai is this personal God of salvation. If he's a huckster, what is he doing? I think we just have to play out both narratives. If he's a huckster, what's he doing? He's lying. He's, he's lying. To, he's Spend the night. Right. Something's going to happen overnight. He's going to figure it out. And he's just going to try to... He's scheming them. But, Vayavo Elohim el bilam. Uh, and God came to Bil- Bil- Bilam. the same God. Because yes. is Elohim, not Adonai. Ah. Okay. What do you guys think? Well, just let's keep studying. I think it is God. I think so often, and this is part of my theology, you want to call God, God will come. And God will come in the form that comes to you. False gods can come to that way. God, what do you demand of me in this moment? You set up the fire pan, something's going to happen. So here, Balaam came and says, It doesn't say what do they want from you. Who are these people with you? Now, okay, does that sound like God? God should know this. 
Now go back to Genesis. You see, I'm just, I really think this is rooted in the language of Genesis. What uh, story does that remind you of? God says, where are you? That's right. In the garden, when they know they're about to do evil. Mm-hmm. What is God doing to Bil'am in this case? As a great parent. This is a great parent. Oh, what are you doing with that red crayon? <laughs> I'm making art. Oh, very interesting. Instead of directing, and it's just such a hard yet gentle hand. God knows in this sense, in this So I think, Pam, Bil'am is a child, yet a sorcerer, and it has character development. I guess this is my theology. I want everybody, even the worst in this story, even the king of Egypt, to have some character development. Well, he could have just taken the, the money and cursed them, but he did. He couldn't curse them if God wanted him to bless them. So, so if he was a total scoundrel, he just would have taken it and, you know, so he's got a curse. A little bit of each. Yeah, so he's not a, maybe I, I, all bad. I, Right, so in this 80-20, oh, very human character. And definitely driven by power. He says, here's a people that came out from Egypt and hides the earth from view. Come now and curse them for me. Perhaps I can engage them in battle and drive them off. Now verse 12. God says to Bil'am, don't go with them. You must not curse these people, for they're blessed. And so, it's a direct report. Bil'am arose in the morning... Go back to your country. Adonai will not let me go with you. The Moabite dignitaries left. They came to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. What was missing in their report? Why? Why? And why? And if he's done it. Well, no, he refused. But why? Because why? God said. Because what would Balak, what would Balak have to do? If say, Look, God said no. Oh, now Balak is against God. But now it's just Balak and Balaam. And so here in this power play, we know what happens. It's a spa weekend. So he sends other dignitaries, more numerous, more distinguished than the first. Have you ever had this between the first class, the business class, and like, you know, account? oh, really? The, the undersecretary of the undermission of the third council of the, and then all of a sudden the mayor of the city is coming to you. So, nude, thus says Balak, son of Tipur, do not refuse to come to me. Al natinam haloch elai ki chaved achabdecha meod. I will, and it says, I will honor you, but I will wait you. Here's where kavod, do you know this? The root of kavod, honor, is wait. And so I will give you heavy riches. I guess that's how they're saying honor. And I will do anything you ask of me. But it doesn't, it says, just, so I guess that can be damn. Kava is also, just set these people up for me. And, and he answers, though Balak were to give me a house full of silver and gold, I couldn't do anything. What's the humor there? 
If you gave me, uh, if you guys gave me a house, I couldn't do this job. If you gave me a house, 13% in my retirement fund, 12% in a four-year on a six-year fix, I couldn't do this. Maybe for a little more. He's saying, he's literally writing down his term sheet by saying, you know what, for this and this and this, I couldn't do it, which is okay. So, I can't do anything big or little contrary to the command of, this is big, verse 18. The Lord my God. Adonai Elohai, which is ironic. Because here you have a magician that is calling God, my God. This also goes back to remember, Midian and Balak, the Midianites, may have had a prototypic monotheistic God that Yitro taught Moses. There is that strain that we, we do not see in our narrative that may still be there. Could it be Israelite? See, I don't think it's Israel, but there's but something says, prototypic. Elohai is my God. And that's how he can talk, perhaps. Or, if he's the huckster, he's basically setting him up. I can't do anything that the boss didn't tell me. How much is, how much is it worth? <laughs> so, you too stay here overnight. Let's find out what else God may say to me. So is this a negotiation? Well... <laughs> Sleep on it, so I'll see what God may say to me. But I, I do think his strategy is right. Maybe God says for a bigger house, you can do it. Whatever, but God does change God's opinion as we read. Okay. That night God came to Balaam and says, If these envoys have come to invite you, kum lech itam, Go with them. Va'ach, go with them. But whatever I say to you, you do it. Now I want to read you the Hebrew. Va'ach, et hadavar, and yet, or so, the thing that I will speak to you, it you do. Which is very powerful. I just, what is a magician? What is magic? Abra Kadabra. I speak and it the thing happens. And here God says to Bilam that I speak, you will do. Now here I think is the crux of the Parsha, which is is God magic? No. God does not derive the impossible from the natural. Does God speak to us and have a divine imperative towards the righteous thing to do? Absolutely. Now what's the difference? When I use God to manipulate and use my power to say this is what God wants from not just me but from all of you, I'm being manipulative. If I can truly sit back and say, what does God want from me? What is in this test? And allow that to happen? That is not magic. That's theurgy. That's God working through this universe. So the other story I really want to, to bring back into this is the Akedah. Because the Akedah is not magic. It's a test. 
that binding of Isaac to take the thing that is most precious and to go to the top of the hill. Abraham both has faith and I would say faith with doubt that takes this dramatic turn at the very end where they find the ram. But because he, he lasts it out, and this is why I think Bil'am is in some ways being both a prophet, a sorcerer, but a human being in conversation with God. Whatever they should do, you should do. Now tell me if... Uh, uh, <laughs> does this sound like a parent? Whatever you want to do, you can make the choice yourself. But... <laughs> Verse 21. So he rose in the morning. And I just want you to hear the language and you can look back at the uh, Akedah story. It's the same language. And he saddles his donkey. And he departs with the dignitaries. But God was incensed. And God was furious and he went. So he put a malach Adonai, an agent of God. It says angel, but malach melacha is an agent of God on the way to, it says, adversary. Does any, yes, David. How can you reconcile just in the preceding paragraph? God says, okay, go with these guys. So he gets up in the morning, saddles his donkey, and God says, well, I'll change my mind. You shouldn't go. Abba, can I have the frozen pizza at 4.30 p.m. even though you're making burgers at 5? You know what, Nathan? You can do it. Oh, sorry. You know what, son? You can do what you want to do. Make the right choice. I'm going to be coming home and making dinner. I come home and I see it. I'm furious. You made the choice. Exactly. This is this training. This is this long hand of, of ultimately, it's going to work out. But what is the best way? What is the best way? So that's why. That's how I reconcile it is we're learning this. But so too, Abraham, how can you do that? How could you not sacrifice Isaac? God asked you to take this as this testimony to our faith because the humanity is too great. Was God angry at that moment? I think God would have been angry at the moment if he had just simply done exactly what God had done. And if he had ignored it and not gone up the mountain and not taken the test also. This is a very fine line that we live in all of our lives. So, yes, uh, an agent and, and not magician. Not right. And whatever you need to do, you do. And just, we follow this Parsha of Chukat, which is filled with magic. Mm -hmm. Magic that doesn't speak to me. But shouldn't Balaam at that point have said, but Dad, you told me to do this. Well, this is also interesting. You don't hear negotiation. You don't hear a Jacob. Jacob, if you, you're good to me and give me bread, don't worry, we'll do this. What you hear is someone who, who's somewhat manipulative who says, I can only do what they asked me to do, but now here's what I want you to ask. Here's what I want God to ask of me. Because let's continue. It's such a good, thick text. But just if you can hear... And he rode on this donkey. 
with his two servants alongside. Does anybody remember back to the Akedah story? And he saddled the ass, and he put the you know Isaac on, and then he was with his two children, Isaac and Ishmael. I hear in this narrative the same test. While for Abraham it was an internal test of faith to really have this calling here in almost a comedic way, it's externalized. Uh, what do they call it? Anthropomorphized, because you're about to have a talking donkey. And it's not about the Jews at all. So far, I mean, in this case. What happened to all the dignitaries? Right. Good question. Because it said he departed with them all by dignitaries, and they were very more numerous than the first ones. And then it's just like him and his servants on the road alone. Different strain. I mean, it's a different, it's a different source. Or maybe, I mean, the Midrash is the Na'arav are the young dignitaries. They're the flag bearers that represent. But that's, they're trying to reweave this story. I think that the language is showing you that Abraham was not in a counter that Abraham was not manipulative that he truly was struggling as to what this test was and this wasn't a test of God to, I just think there are, there are contrasts this was a test that was set up from Balak to Balaam and God had to set this up as opposed to Abraham where God really challenged him with this is the test of your life what is your, what is your calling and what is your sacrifice there's really very little that Bil'am is sacrificing here, but he's manipulating God. But there is this test. I mean, there is a test about what is the use of sorcery and magic, theurgy, with God. So, Mark, I'll say something more is, it's not clear if God uses magic. I know we say we don't have any sorcery, we don't use magic, but the Torah is filled with these miracles, and it just had three stories of magic. So it's trying, I think, to s- distinguish out what it means to follow people who manipulate and use God in a magical way, and good, sane leadership as, as, it, as it continues through. Yeah, Pam? I think there's some a symbolism to the fact that, so for contrasting that uh, Moshe was able to speak to Yehovah in the day and with Balaam he only comes at night each time at night and Maimonides takes this and I think with good reason so of course he had a dream this all happened at night these were things that were happening in dreams and God speaks to us in dreams the Talmud says uh, a dream uninterpreted is a letter unread love that it's like you get these letters. So did, did the donkey talk? No. Did God speak to Bilam? Well, in his dream. But that's still in this kind of middle way. But yes, night versus day. Very good distinction. Yeah. I want to go back to the Goodyear blimp one second. Please. We're up at the top, <laughs> looking down. About, forgetting about the details of the story, it, it, it seems to me that this is God protecting the Israelites. This is a story of someone who was trying to get at them, not militarily, but who was trying to get them by hiring someone to do a curse, etc. 
And what is the story? The story is that in spite of all the horrible things that the Israelites did of not obeying God and rebelling whatever, that nevertheless God is really in the background and protecting them. Because that, isn't that what happens in the story? They're threatened. And in the end, God comes in and says, I'm changing his words. In all humility, <laughs> most recent past president of mine, I will say that makes God elilim. That diminishes God. If God is worried about Bil'am cursing his people and he has to counterattack in that way, that diminishes that diminishes God for me. If God is... Well, I wasn't saying he's worried. The definitely is defending. The same way that there was redemption. That it's another kind of protection. And so here's the, the moral of the story that I say to the Jewish people is, I don't care if people curse me or bless me. Mm-hmm. That says more. Anytime someone's pointing a finger at you, you got three fingers mm-hmm. back at them. Mm-hmm. How sad are these people? How sad is Balak? How insecure was, and even Paro. And when you say things like the things that we've been hearing, you are really sad. When you have, uh, let's say you have a partner who's on vacation, and, she, and he calls and he says, you know, I've been reading all the emails, uh, and you're the one who's supposed to be taking care of business. And then you turn back and say to him, you know, aren't you supposed to be in Cuomo, Italy? Oh, I was just making sure everything's okay. <laughs> sad. I'm sad for Bilam. I'm sad for Bilak. And you are right that when it comes to that Goodyear blip mm-hmm. shift, I'm gonna I'm gonna be angry at my family when my family's not acting like good family. But the minute we're out to a restaurant and like I have to defend my family if somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, bumps them off at the campground, I'm I'm gonna be hot off. But teaching, I think there's so much teaching that happens in this moment. Is it free will? I still want to believe it's free will. Even with the anthropomorphism of the donkey. Mm -hmm. He should not be going this way. There is a gather mize o mize. And this, I want to say, there's a line from here and there. I don't need magic to know this. And I've just seen it with people making mistakes and continuing to make those mistakes. And so, too, with Egypt. Pharaoh's hardened heart. It started as a free will choice that slowly was harder and harder for him to deviate. The worse and worse he got, the entrenchment of it. And you can turn uh, to so many stories in, in recent history that Balaam was on this path. Now, was that because of wealth? Yes, Judy. Isn't this also a further definition of a one God? Because we have God with all these different roles and and even calling God different names. Isn't it a further refined definition of what God is and isn't? I think this is a later story. And so in that way, I think you're right. And to use Bert's point that Adonai and Elohim are used in this source... And also the divination and sorcery seem and to be coming from, emanating from the one God. Mm-hmm. And he says, Adonai Elohai, it really does speak to a monotheism that is not part of uh, some of the other chapters, even within Numbers. Um, I see, uh, oh God, 
No, please take a breath. And if it could come back, you'll just go. It'll come right back. Yes, please. Surely there's a very special world assigned to the ass. And whereas the Egyptians worshipped the animals as false gods, in this story, the ass speaks the truth. Yes. Absolutely. So uh, to just let's take a moment and. Yes, and the irony: who is the ass? Bilam. It's it's the donkey that actually is the moral arbiter in this. And for Elijah, what is the Mashiach supposedly? Who? What is the Messiah come on? Atono on a donkey. And why? Why? Don't look for the chariot. Don't look for the bells and whistles. Look for the beast of burden. Look for that humble sign that you're not coming in this way. So when you hear Matovo Alecha Yaakov, what are these beautiful tents of Jacob, what kind of beauty are they? They're not in this, and it's so true. It's this humble, uh, it's this humble malach lisatano to see I think Satan is just so wrong it says adversary but it's not satan is so wrong it's not it's to challenge it's to kind of not mess up but to say really that's what you're going to do that's what you're going to do and so he was riding on his donkey with his two servants alongside the ass caught sight of this angel in the way. Now, was this le satan? No, yes, to uh, subvert the mission of Bil'am. And I just would take a moment for each of you personally, when you're rushing to do a, not a mitzvah, but the opposite, when you're doing wrong, you know, you can't find your key, your scat, like let's say you're, you're going to avoid your children, okay, not that I do this, but you're going to avoid your children, so you're running to find your keys because you know they're coming home soon and you want another hour by yourself, so you run and run down to the beach and you can't find your keys. That's the avis. That's like, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be there to accept and welcome. How many times do you have along your own way when you're rush, rushing to do things that you shouldn't be doing? There are ways that are trying to subvert you and... And then when you're doing the right, I, this is, I do believe when you're doing the right thing, <coughs> things can be difficult, but they're made easier the more and more you do it's them. It's an acknowledgement of free will and also an, an acknowledgement that we have an evil inclination that sometimes we act on. And it's that balance. So is it free will? So what is sorcery? I would say sorcery is just ignorance combined with ego so that you continue to do these things. <laughs> That, that ultimately creates the, the, the anti-magic that we're talking about. Okay, so let's keep. So then, the ass swerved from the road, went to the fields, Balaam beat to go back on the road. The angel then stationed himself in a lane between the vineyards, fence on either side. The ass, seeing the angel of Adonai, pressed herself against the wall, squeezed the foot against the wall. Vitilachet et akir, Vitilchat et haregel bil am el hakir. 
Vayosef Lahakota. So he just continued with these makot, these strikes. This is why I say back to the Exodus story. Makot are plagues. So from this grand scheme of Pharaoh and Moses and plagues on a national scale, it's gotten to such a petty little donkey and his magician, like struggling within its own little little com- comedic scene. It's not but, the grand things. It's the basic things. So I think it is an inversion of the story. So Mark, why why the language of uh, Garden of Eden? Why the language of Egypt? Because it's so different. Because it's so radically other. Okay. By Yosef Malach and continued, Yosef continually added the uh, the difficulty there's no room to sway right or left what I love about this back to free will is that you still have choice within these narrow more narrow and more narrow straits as you become conditioned to the life that you think is something that is a fait accompli it just becomes more and more narrow that doesn't mean you don't still have free will this was back to David, your, your kind of point. Okay, you're going to do it. I'm furious. I'm not going to make it easier for you. Like poof, poof, poof. My son said, you know, I, I'm going to just you know, spend all my day. I'm not going to give you internet. I'm not going to give you any TV. I'm not going to give you any phone. Okay, you can do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You just can't do all these things. Okay. Sorry, it's summer vacation. I'm with two boys. Okay, you go. <laughs> Verse okay, verse thank you. Verse twenty-seven. And when the ass, and it's so clear, Malach Adonai. Balaam can speak to Adonai directly somehow, but when God sends an angel, Bilam can't see it. Right. She lay down under Bilam, and Balaam was furious and beat the ass with a stick. So do you hear it? Vayachar af bil'am Vayach etaton b'makel Vayachar af This is the same in sense that God was to bil'am that bil'am then turns on this donkey. What does this have nothing to do with? Back to my first thesis. The Israelites. Nothing. Vayiftach Adonai et piha aton and so, again, irony. Does God use magic? No. And then God opens the mouth of the donkey. You want me to use magic? I'll use magic. You know, you want me to use pyrotechnics? I'll use it. I don't need to. God, I'm, I can't speak for God. But what if, if a donkey can, maybe we can. Okay. What have I done to you that you've beaten me these three times? And notice it's in this language of justice. It's really in this language of compassion and... Balaam said to the ass, You've made... <laughs> you've made a mockery of me, which really means you've cursed me. If I had a sword with me, I'll, I would kill you. Interesting. He doesn't have a sword. And even in the initial Balak story, he says, how do we get these guys to drive away? What does it tell you in this comedy? In this, this is not a bloody... Not a bloody scene. We're talking more about divination. We're not talking about 
the same violence that we have right before with the Amorites and right after. We're going to have a tremendous battle that's, that's, that's ahead. The Asad of Balaam. Look, I'm an ass that you've been riding all this day. Have I? It's just so. Ad hayom have I been in the danger to put you in such danger? And so he said, Lo. No. And then Adonai uncovered Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of Adonai standing in the way. Malach Adonai nitzav baderech. And the sword is within his hand. Does anybody remember the cherubim in the Garden of Eden? And there are angels with the sword. So it shows this powerful metaphor that the magician is disempowered and blind and the angel that is unseen has the sword and the power and not violence but righteousness. Why have you beaten your ass these three times? Notice it's three times, because he does three prayers after. Uh, I'm on verse uh, 32. It is I who came out as an adversary. satan, For the Aaron is obnoxious to me. Vayarat haderech lenegdi. It's against me. V'tir'ani <coughs> ha'aton. And when the donkey saw me, she shied away because those three times. If she had not shied, you are the one I should have killed. I would not have killed her. But, yeah. No one. Yeah, I would have. You were the one I should have killed. If she had not shied away. Oh, okay. If she had kept going and she wasn't there, the donkey saved your life. If not for the ass. By the way, Shrek, uh, William Steig, you know the whole Shrek and the talking donkey? Such a good biblical scholar. Uh, Right, William Steig? He did also the one with the pebble, Sylvester and the pebble, the donkey, you know, that turns into a donkey. Anyway, he uses this story many times. What a great writer. So, Balaam said to the angel of Adonai, I erred. Chatati. Do you hear this language of sinned? I sinned. Chatati in the Hebrew. Chatati. Ki lo yadati ki ata nitzav likrati baderech. Now take this very seriously. That is what sin is. It is missing. It is not simply doing evil. It is missing the call of your genuine purpose and going away from the way that you should be. He is having... Okay, so this is where I don't see him as evil. I see him as having tshuva. This is a wonderful tshuva moment. I've been so bullheaded in my way that I was going. Not a bull in a china shop, but like I've been so bullheaded and I missed the whole thing. Now I understand the errors of my ways. Look, I'm sorry. If you disapprove, I'll turn back. Imrab einecha ashuvali. Isn't that so beautiful? 
Ashuva. Do you hear the Chatati Ashuva? Chuva is this. He's having a moment of repentance, and we're seeing it in the eyes of our of our enemies. The most powerful weapon is not a sword, anyway. The most powerful weapon is the tongue. Wait, yeah, language. Yes. Yeah. So it's really God who uncovered Yes, yes. To see what was happening behind it. And the process by which he becomes aware So then at night, in his dreams, when God talks to him, he's not really seeing God. This is the kind of, he's getting to see the code underneath his own obstinacy. But your point is, he didn't come to this revelation. God uncovered that for him. But I think we could all, I can personally say that. When I've been obstinate and I'm doubling down and tripling down on my own path, and then someone or an angel or I get uncovered, it's so obvious. Why was I being so, so narrow-minded? So yes. What it says is that you would return. Ashuvali, I will return right. to me. You need to have your eyes uncovered. Yes. Otherwise. How do you know your khatat? How do you know your sin? Now, that can happen through a donkey. It can happen through the angel behind it. It can happen with the original mission. Look, I'll take this job. I'm sure it'll be fine, whatever it is. And then you slowly, slowly, you find yourself becoming inhabited by your own, your own blindness. Or it can happen with meditation. The uncovering. Yeah. This is why I love uh, the Kabbalists inverting the Ayin Haaretz, that Israel covered the eye of the land, which means that they were just everywhere. The Kabbalists inverted and say, no, the Ayin Haaretz is the, is the eye, is the opening of the land, and that Israel can see what others can't. And if we can open that through meditation, that deeper, deeper purpose, not what's happening on the surface, but underneath, then we can uncover the will of God. Yes, noble. But really, it takes something to uncover. And the more that you stick in your narrow way, the harder, and it's seemingly harder and harder, perhaps. But now you're going to see there's a tremendous transformation even with the three prayers that he gives. And so the angel says to Bil'am, Go. Lech. Iman Hashim. Ve'efes hadavar. But nothing will be said to you except to Daber. And notice again, the angel of God, this is also the Akedah, it is an angel that speaks. It's an intermediary, it's not a direct voice. This is like, if I were to do the mapping out on a board, it would be like, God, angel, humanity. 
god magician feared like making things happen on the earth we our own souls are the agents of doing this through our own human will and it's the angel this malach which people you can't say they're just people or donkeys or objects can be malach agency that helps you see that which you cannot we are now on verse 36. The dignitaries came back. Balaam went on with the dignitaries. <laughs> so you see, the, they call it in German, it's a Wiederaufnahme, it's a resumptive repetition. So it kind of loops back into that earlier tradition because this donkey story is, is clearly awesome, but you don't need it. You know what I mean? You could take the entire donkey story out, and this is a really good story. Go curse them, I can't curse them, I will. The dignitaries go. So you could see that that entire section could be done without it. Yeah. I, I was wondering about this. Why isn't this story, since it clearly is something that was written much later than, uh, you know, why didn't uh, this make it to the Midrash, uh, make it as a Midrash uh, to the Talmud, rather than... Ah, and why? Okay, so why Shir Shirim, which is a love song? You know, this is a question of canon, yes? The question of how, why did it make it? So. Who was the editor? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's the editor. Like, so let's be reconstructionists for a second. Great story. People loved it. It's in. It's in. Talking asses and. I mean, Shrek's in the playlist. I mean, if you did put it in, people would put it in for you. And so, you know, a question of Shirim on the positive, which is a beautiful love story that Rebbe Akiva told us is really between God and Israel. And here, too, Maimonides, Lutzato, all of your enlightenment, quote-unquote enlightenment people, these are not real talking donkeys. These are allegories. The allegory is too good. And, and in that late stage, you already have oral traditions. And even further, some of the poetry here, Matovu, some of these, some of these poems, when you say it's late, we're, we're, time is always short. But these poems are old because they're really about Israel mm-hmm. at its earliest stages. And so within these other tribes, just starting to work it out. Those would be some theories as to why it made it. I'm, right. I'm just impressed that it's not about Israel so much as about humankind in general. And it, it, it sounds to me like uh, it's misfiled. Mis- it, it does seem a little... So we only have five minutes left. Yes, please. Going back to the story... Yeah. What do you think the significance is that it's a she-ass? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We talked about this last week, that Miriam was a prophetess mm-hmm. and was not mourned, and the whole feminine strand is taken out. And here you can see in one of the commentators, it's Kenin, it's elders, these male figures. You could create a conspiracy theory, which I'm not, but as I say I'm not, it's just like saying I don't use magic, and then here we're talking magic. 
that women had their own power of of uh, the occult because of birth Pro- prophetess because of birth and the Shifra and Pua and so that this female ass perhaps Atonoda she ass is a hint towards the feminine side without but I, I find that to be a stretch it is clear that women divination and sorcery are they're not they're, the absence is clear but evidence absence of evidence is not evidence so I can't prove it but I think that there was a strain of some occult of women. Uh, we know this further in the, the next Parsha, Pinchas, with the daughters of Tzlovchad. It's based on jurisprudence that their property was not exchanged and it was not right. And God said these women had a voice. But notice it's in legal jurisprudence that they had a voice. In this story, women are truly absent. No, but the, it, it is the Shias that can see what Balaam cannot see. It is the Shias who can see what is real, can see right. the messenger of God. So Why am I hesitant to say it? It's also a reflection of Isn't the political elevated? times. Now we don't have male men. We have post, post people. And I read in the paper today that... There are no more manhole covers. There are no <laughs> maintenance covers. Oh, in Berkeley. <laughs> so the political time shape. Everything is a choice of the sexes. Yeah. So I think this is important. Yes. And they wouldn't have just said she ass. They should have just said ass. Right. So there has to be an importance. I don't know. I think it's not that it's even lower. It's, you know, like as lowly and common as could be. Like a woman. It's, I don't know. No, I see. I don't. Yeah. It's the lo- I'm, a, I'm almost it's afraid the to. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not. I thought about what I was going to say. Yeah. On ass. Good. Although I will tell you, if I, I get close to this. So wait, wait, wait. Pam thought of what she was. Just, yes. Oh. Oh. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I do believe that there is. A, Something missing. There is a big ellipsis here of the feminine tradition within this. Yes, that prophet is strained, and I, I wanted to pan before. Oh yeah, please give me your sentence, and I do want to conclude with something. Um, that when when we we defeated Egypt, you can imagine the shock waves that went out in that part of the world, and then we have a battle with Amalek. Where, you know, the arms are going up and we sold this arm, we, we win. And now Bollock sees us coming. And I think he feels that we're not going to defeat them on the battlefield. So let me try to do a completely different yes. attack and uh, do a spiritual, like, let's do a spiritual, let's appeal to their God, something spiritual mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that maybe we can beat them that way by cursing, you know. So. And, and so too, failure. And what's powerful in the three prayers, and I really encourage you, maybe this is a test for next year, with each of these prayers, the first one is really about him. Let me tell Israel's doom, I can't damn who isn't damned. Mm-hmm. I'll die the death of the upright, but may my fate be like theirs. That's not about Israel, that's about the guy cursing. The second one is about Balak, give ear. It's about magic. There is no divining in Israel. There's no magic. Yea, 
Israel, what God has planned. You leap like a lion. It's about the current state of Israel and anti-magic. Third prayer, finally the word of Balaam. He sees that it pleases God to bless Israel. Doesn't look for omens. Then he takes his own task. Now this would be the Jedi mission, and I'm going to say in the last 60 seconds. When those who curse us, when we curse them, we play in their silly magic games. When we can define ourselves, the Jedi move is to watch the very mouths of those who have been foolish to curse Israel, to see their blessing through our agency, not through coercion or through magic, but by the righteousness of our people and by our own true actions, that I and Haaretz, we also uncover our eyes to see the truth to when people slander and curse, that these curses or blessings do not come from others. They come from our own sense of our divine purpose. And the final irony I'll say, after all of these beautiful blessings, Matovu Alecha Yaakov, what do we get? Chapter 25. While Israel is taking Shittim, the menfolk profane themselves by whoring with the Moabite women <laughs> who invited to sacrifice to their God. They menfolk partook them and worshiped that God. And Israel itself itself to Baal Peor. Adonai was furious. God said to Moses, take the ringleaders and I will have them publicly impaled. This is what's happening back on the... when that blimp comes down. So be very wary when people are praising you and your family. You better know who you are within the inside. That's not magic. That's just very important Torah. We have free will. We have choice. Let us not be defined externally. Let's truly know who we are as a people and move forward in health and in peace.